Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's Tuesday, and you're here, and we're thankful for you. Welcome back. Good job. Keep reading your Bible. Yeah. In fact, you know what else? Good job on. Good job leaving some reviews and ratings on iTunes and, and Spotify. Oh, well, yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. It helps. It helps get the podcast out there a little bit more. And uh, it's uh, encouraging to know that, that it's being a blessing to uh, Still waiting for Crossway to send us the uh, sponsorship right. request. Right. Uh, looking for my Bible and book. Or CSB. And who knows CSB. what might happen then. <laughs> We're open. Yeah. We're open to it. Yeah. Hey, we've both flown recently and uh, oh boy, are our arms tired. Yeah. Hey, oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I find that the older I get, though, the more I'm looking at, at planes going, do I, do I really, do I really trust this thing? And, uh, and, and so articles like the one I just found are, are not encouraging. Uh, the, the FAA has grounded 171 Boeing 737s, Max 9s, whatever that is. I'm pretty sure I flew on one of those, though, recently. Southwest uses 737s. Yeah, I, like so only I did. I, I flew on one of those recently. After a panel blows out mid-flight, like a, pla- a panel on one of the, the planes just blew off the side of the plane mid-flight. But that goes to show how reliable they are because the plane stayed in the sky and didn't crash. And I guess I don't know the story that you're referring to, but well, it had to make an emergency landing. This was of last course, Friday. Of course, people are going to be yeah. rattled by that. But Nobody's if the like, pilot wanted to, they probably could have kept on going. I guess I, I don't know, man. I I always think it, when I sit on the wings, I don't like to sit on the wings because I look at the wings and the wings like flex while you're up in the air and it's like yeah. bouncing. Like I'm not that's afraid of flying. Yeah, that's a good thing. And I've heard that, but at the same time, I think about like how does this how does this work. Like, I'm not a structural engineer or anything by any long shot, but I'm like, this thing's aluminum, right? I mean, that's what a plane is. Yeah, mostly. And you think about the amount of surface area that the wings are attached to and then the amount of strain and weight on those wings. I don't know. I don't get it. I know there are people smarter than me that do understand it, and it's been happening for a long time, but no thanks. I don't need any panels blowing off or wings falling off while I'm up in the air. What's been your worst flying experience? Do you have a really bad one that you can remember? I, I not not anything terrible. I, I like I haven't gone into a nosedive or anything like that. Oh, I mean, that's good. There's been bad because that would really ruin you, right? I could imagine you'd be upset about that, right? Yeah, there's been bad turbulence and things. For me, it's more just the inconvenience of having to rely on other people to get me where I need to go. Mm-hmm. That's why I prefer driving because I'm I, I'm selfish that way. I like give me the wheel and and a schedule that I can for the most part dictate. And, uh, and I get to have my luggage with me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, to mm-hmm. put it in the belly of the plane and hope that somebody's going to put it on the right conveyor belt. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I totally understand. I just, I, the convenience of flying is so nice. Like I'm just, just sitting down, not caring about anything. I don't have to worry about getting us from point A to point B. Yeah. And I, I, I would really like to see outside the window. That I, that I would agree. I'd like to see outside. I typically get the aisle because then I can stand up and do what I want to do. But if I can see around me, I would really like that. I, I do... I do wish there was a better way. So when you get on the plane, for instance, Southwest, open seating, which, by the way, stresses me out more than anything else. It, me too, man. I don't like, like it. Just give me a seat number. I'll just, I, I, even if it's a middle one, just give me a seat number. <laughs> no, I, no I that I don't want to do. Plane I'd rather, I'd rather do seat. Southwest and have a middle seat. Yeah, it's like, yeah. There's I, no hope in no, middle seat. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. But if you get on the plane with Southwest and you've got an open plane, you're going to sit on an aisle. Yes, Yes, because I because then it gives me the uh, ability to get up, move around. I can go to the bathroom. Even if I, I like to get up 
I like stretching my legs. So I've noticed that. You'll stand up during meetings and walk around. And it's like, okay, yeah. we need to wrap this meeting up. I'm stra- <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do. That's, there's, not sub, <laughs> there's no subconscious uh, information there. I, I just like keeping the blood flowing. That, that's right. me. So I would rather do that, even though I'd much rather enjoy the the view from the sky, the, the window rather. Uh, I'd rather have the ability to stretch my legs. Do you ever feel inconvenience when the window seat has to get up and use a bathroom when you're on the aisle seat? No. I, in fact, to the contrary, I, I enjoy that because then it gives me an excuse to stand up. Yeah, I, I'll stand up and I'll and then and then if if you stand up and there's no reason for it, people get nervous for obvious reasons. People start wondering like what's happening. They're like, Why oh, is he's this guy a terrorist. Saying? He's got a gun. I, oh, basically, you know, yeah. I don't want to call that out exactly, but yes. So I okay, I don't we're not do flying it right now. Often, I don't do that as often as I would like. But if someone has to go to the bathroom, then I could just stand up next to the seat because then oh, he's waiting for the guy who went to the bathroom. So you do push-ups in the aisle while they're in the bathroom. You know, a couple and, air you squats, know. you know, yeah. single leg squats, you know, one of those things. Single leg push-ups or <laughs> single leg, no, single arm push-ups. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Crunches. You know, you know who had no idea about planes is Joe. But and I don't mean that just for a horrible transition that is to the an text. Awful transition. It really is. But no. But I was just thinking about it. Like if God waits and we die in the meantime, which we will, what are we gonna have no idea about? Like a thousand years from now, if if Christ doesn't come back before then, like what's gonna be out there that we're gonna be like, wait, what? What is that? AI, man. That's going to change the game for us. Well, that's here. And I, yeah. Well, I mean, it hasn't, RoboCop it hasn't coming. infiltrated everything yet, but it's coming. Oh, man. I, you, it's give it, coming. We've talked about that. They yes, can have it back. Have. And aliens, too. I mean, I, I just. Did you hear about the thing in Miami recently? I did. I don't buy that. For that one, a little bit. that one you're not going to buy. Well, okay. If it, if it were true, if it were, so if you don't know what we're talking about in Miami, there was this thing at the mall. They said it was kids fighting, right? With sticks, with sticks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the police presence was, I don't know, hundreds, like yeah. just a massive police presence. And of course, someone got some really blurry photo of what appears to be something strange. I call foul in the day of everyone having an iPhone, right. 4k, 8k devices right. on them. There's going to be something better than that. No, the explanation was they had an EMP that that knocked out all the phones. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Okay. I I, that. I, I read only the first two lines and I'm like, I'm moving on. Yeah. It was, they were talking about it on the radio the other day. I was like, okay. oh, okay. Well, yeah. Maybe then. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Maybe. No. We ought to go and investigate, Pastor PJ. False. Be part of the podcast. Road trip to Miami. Hey, uh, but let's talk about Job, since uh, that's what you're here for. You're not here to talk us hear us talk about planes and aliens and well, maybe and a little bit. Uh, probably a little bit. There's some that enjoy that banter. It's what adds character and color. Hey, uh, chapter 21, uh, I called this one, Hear Me, Hear Me, uh, instead of Hear Ye, Hear Ye, uh, because Job is uh, is going to bring this second cycle of advice. Remember, there's three cycles. We're, we're bringing the second one to a conclusion here by rehashing and refuting much of, of what his friends had, had just been saying. Um, in fact, in verses seven through nine, he's saying, you know what? You just said the wicked are judged by God, that that's how it, it works, that that's what he does. Yesterday's episode, he's going to say, I, I'm going to counter that. He says, why do the wicked live, reach old age, grow mighty in power? Verse seven, their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes. In other words, he's saying that's not always how God operates. Sometimes the wicked do flourish. Sometimes they do excel. Uh, and so I, I'm not sure that your argument holds water there is what he's he's arguing. Uh, in fact, he, he even goes further and he says in verse 14, he's, they're defiance and yet God still allows them to live. He says, they say to God, depart from us. We don't desire the knowledge of your ways. What's the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? And behold, what? Their prosperity is in their hands. So Job is even, and here the contrast between them and himself is even made more evident because he's been pleading his righteousness. And here he's saying, 
Consider how wicked the people can be and defiant and bold against God, and yet it seems that God's not doing anything. And so his question to Zophar is, how often is it, verse 17, that the lamp of the wicked is really put out? How often is that the case, Zophar, since you uh, claimed that to be the case? And so Job is, is really saying, I, I don't think you can be as confident as you, uh, as you make yourself out to be on these things. Yeah, the, this whole this whole chapter in response to Zophar and his friends is it's not always the case that the wicked suffer and that the righteous pr- prosper. Right. right, it is just too simple a way to look at the life that God has obviously ordained, and that's true for us today. It's probably even more true even for those of us on the other side of the cross who would say, "Well, man, we're God's people; shouldn't we be protected and blessed?" And in fact, God says the opposite. God says you're you're going to be handed over like sheep among wolves. You're right. going to be persecuted. You're going to be mistreated and maligned. And some of the some of the, even the people before you were sawn in two for their testimony. Hebrews chapter eleven. So we shouldn't expect anything different than Jesus Himself suffered, which tells us something that Job doesn't know at this point. That in fact it's not true that the righteous necessarily prosper the way that we think. God would prosper somebody. Under the old covenant, there's there's room to say, okay, God blessed Israel when they were obedient to the covenant and he gave them wealth and he gave them land and, you know, the milk and honey kind of situation. Well, today things are different. Under this dispensation, God doesn't necessarily promise that we're going to receive those material or physical blessings just because we're on his good side. In fact, he often promises the opposite. And that factors into something that we've talked about in one of the last couple episodes of you know, when do we come alongside somebody who's grieving and mourning and encourage them to get back in the game, so to speak? And I think sometimes our grief and our sorrow can come from we have a, a if I can gently say this, a sense of entitlement about us to think, man, I, I, I deserve for my life to be great. I deserve for my life to be good. I deserve for my life to be comfortable. And, and God should be doing good things in my life, not all this mm. suffering and pain and sorrow. And mm. so, you know, we, we, we can throw Again, gently pity parties for ourselves. Come on, thinking, come on, man, this is is not what I I deserve, and uh, and and that's a misunderstanding, as Pastor Rod was just saying, of the way of God's economy when it comes to how He interacts with His people. It's it's not that we serve God in exchange for our life being good here and now. It's not that oh, you know you say it again. It's not that we serve God in exchange for our life being good here and now. Ooh, it, it, you tweet that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> X that, yeah. And and I and I'm I'm preaching to a, I know a lot of you listening to this. You changed your jobs. You sold your house. You uh, left friends and family and Del Taco back in California. <laughs> not a big sacrifice that last one. Yeah, fair enough. To to move out here to relocate here, and that's honorable and admirable and amazing and incredible. And Pastor Ron and I are so insanely grateful for that. But be not confused or convinced that that somehow guarantees that you have good karma coming your way. I mean, that's none of you would say, I believe in karma. But practically, functionally, we can become Christian karma adherence by thinking, if I do enough for God, God's going to do good in my life. Sometimes our suffering, and to snap out of the suffering, we need to just be reminded that, you know what? Actually, this is maybe evidence of the fact that I'm doing things right, that I am suffering because Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so, man, if I'm up against it in this world, it maybe it means that that I'm doing some things that the enemy doesn't like and that God is pleased with. And so let's keep going. That's right. All right. That out of the way. Chapter 22 then. Eliphaz. Do what? This is round three. Round three. Yeah. This is, this the, is third the third cycle. Third cycle. 
And uh, Eliphaz, if the title of chapter 21 was Hear Me, Hear Me, Eliphaz, uh, the title of chapter 22 is No. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I'm not going to. And in fact, here's a repeated theme that we've heard before uh, in verse four. Is it for your fear of him that he reproves you and enters into judgment with you? Is it not your evil that's abundant? There is no end to your iniquities. Well, it's funny that you should mention that, Eliphaz. I've got a book of the Bible for you to read called Job uh, in the opening two chapters. Because it's actually precisely the fear of God that Job possessed that did lead to all of these things taking place. It's the, precisely the fact that God said there's no one like him in all of the earth that led to the beginning of all of these things. Now, Job has not responded in particularly well in the more recent chapters. But yeah, Eliphaz is, is over his skis on this one as far as his charge that uh, maybe it's because, Job, you don't fear God that he's doing this to you. I think the the opening lines that Eliphaz says are just a slap in the face to what we think, what I think is true about God. Can a, can a man be profitable to God? Surely he who is wise is profitable to himself. In other words, you're wise for your own sake. You're, you're not really adding anything to God. You're not taking anything away from him if you're, un, if you're unjust or, or wicked. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty, he says in verse 3, if you are in the right? Or is it a gain to him if you make your ways blameless? And, and the answer is yes, God is. So we talk about the, we talk about God in ways that are biblical, but not not true. Oh, let me see if I could say this better. We ascribe to God things that are just not true. Mm. And Eliphaz here in this case is saying, look, God is passionless. He's not moved by your your righteousness or your wickedness. You do no injury to Him. But that's not true. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Yep. You can do damage to God. You can injure him, hurt him by your wickedness, by your sin. So Eliphaz misunderstands that. Now, granted, he doesn't have the corpus of Scripture that we do, so he's speaking from ignorance. But be aware, when he says this, you can have an impact on God's day, so to speak. Now, granted, he's God. You're not. It's going to be different than how you and I do it. However, what you do matters to God, and whether you choose sin or righteousness does have an effect. Yeah. In fact, two passages that come to mind on that, one that we just read recently, Genesis 6, where it says that God regretted making mankind. He was grieved. He was grieved over to their sin, right? And then also think about the parable that Jesus tells the good Samaritan, or not the good Samaritan, the prodigal son. Yeah. Um, so that was such confidence. The good Samaritan. No, the prodigal son, right? I mean, think about the father as he's depicted in that parable. And that the father is meant to be the, the father, is meant to be the heavenly father in that. Right. And he's grieved. And we, we know, how do we know that? Well, because he's looking for the son to return. He's longing for his son to return. Yep. And the, the, the joy that he feels at the return of the son is, is the, the, the counterpart to the grief that he felt over the son's rebellion against him. Right. So yeah, to your point, it, our actions can impact God in that sense. And, and that's incredible. When you think about, I mean, we, we can have an impact on God. Yeah. Almighty sovereign God. That's really special. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we're not having the grieving impact yes, on him. not the yeah, other part. That's not the cool part. Yeah, verses 21 through 25 then of uh, this chapter, chapter 22. Uh, Eliphaz once again calls on Job to repent and return to the Lord. Agree with God. By the way, that that's what it means to confess is to agree with. Uh, we think of confession, sometimes our con view of confession is colored by what we see on TV shows or, or maybe you've been in the Catholic Church and you think of this little box that you go in and there's a priest there. No, the word to confess means to agree with. And so that's what Eliphaz is, is calling on Job to do. Confess, agree with God and be at peace. If you want peace, Job, it's going to come through confession and repentance. And that's been 
this call from their friends. The, the, the friends, rather than confessing, God, your ways are not our ways, and, and you are so far above and beyond who we are, and that's where Job is going to get at the end because God's going to reveal himself that way. They're so convinced by looking at things, they, they can't understand any other or entertain any other option other than Job must have done something wrong. And so they're, they're continually coming back to Job with the same message. Will you not just repent and be at peace with God? And in that sense, y'all, even though they're wrong, I, I think I can probably empathize with where they're coming from because I, I don't think they have any other frame of reference for what could possibly be happening here other than, Job, there must be something. And so it's, it's like a text message or an email. Some of the things that they say, we can clearly point that out regardless of the tone that it was delivered and say, this is wrong. But some of it, we're at a disadvantage because we're looking at written text. We can't read the tone that this was said to Job into what's going on here. We know that God confronts all, all of these friends uh, at, at some point in time, um, but uh, there, there's some empathy to be had with, with their position here. Chapter 23, then, uh, Job responds again, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, another theme that he has brought up time and time again is he, he wants an audience with God, and that's really chapter 23 again here. He's, he's appealing for that. He desires that. Uh, in verse 2, uh, he says, today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. It's a confusing statement. Again, confusing in the original language. It's it's possible that this is better translated. His hand is heavy on me. Uh, think Psalm 32, 4, where David says, night and day, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up. And so that concept of God's hand being heavy on Job may be a little bit better than Job saying that his hand was heavy, just because there's there's not much that we know of that would explain such a phrase as that. So it's possible it's a phrase that, that is, has lost its, its direct bearing, its, its, its counterpart in our uh, culture, but it's, it's also perhaps better understood as, as God's hand being heavy on Job there. Uh, yeah, Job 23, 3-5, he's, he's desperate for answers. Even if the answers aren't particularly favor, favorable, he just he wants to know. Um, I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Maybe you've even been there before with a medical diagnosis or something. Something's going on. You're not quite sure what's going on in your body. And you, you want to know, even if it's bad news, you just want a di- You want to know. You want to have a reason for what's going on. And I think that's where Job is in this chapter. It's so interesting, too, that what he talks about, and I'm thinking about the context of his body failing and this bad breath. He says this in verse 12, I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. In other words, he's testifying to the fact that I know God's word to whatever he had available. We don't know what that is. But then he says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. And that reminds me a lot of Psalm 119. Mm. But in particular, I think about his failing health and thinking, Job is saying here that there were times, perhaps, where he was willing to forego physical care in order to serve his soul. His priority was on the words of God. And this, I think, speaks to the blamelessness that God commends in Job. It was his mentality that there are things in my life that matter more than my physical body. In our day and age, it's not uncommon to see people spend a lot of time in prioritizing their their physical care, you know, yeah. their, their, their physical health. And that, there's not a, it's not bad. Steward your body, certainly. But when it comes to spending so much time and effort and energy on the physical to the neglect of the spiritual, I think you're doing the opposite of what made Job so blameless. He loved and treasured God's words more than his portion of food. I'm willing to skip food if it means I'm going to be able to spend time in the word of God. Mm. That spoke to me. That resonated with me. Man, I want to care about my body appropriately, but I want to be able to say, look, my body comes second. 
Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I think Job demonstrates what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his fear is still there of God. And, and that's in is the, the chapter concludes and he says, look, God is unchangeable. Who can turn him back? Verse 13, verse 14, he's going to complete what he appoints for me. Now look at verse 15, the conclusion. Therefore, I'm terrified at his presence. When I consider I am in dread of him, God has made my heart faint and the almighty has terrified me. In other words, Job confesses here, I don't know what his purpose is, but I know his purpose will be complete. And that is a frightening thought because it seems that his purpose for me is not good right now. And so Job is, Job is scared in verse 23 uh, or in chapter 23 of what God may ultimately do as he continues to unfold his plan in Job's life. So, uh, it's, uh, still not, uh, still not positive, uh, positive vibes in, in the book of Job yet, but, uh, hang in there though. Yeah. We're getting to where God's going to, well, we're going to have to go through Elihu. That, that's a challenge, but then we get to hear God speak. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that will be. So keep reading your Bibles, keep tuning in, keep staying with us and we will catch you guys again tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.